We're looking today at a focus of this particular week, uh, a need in Scripture that I think we all will be able to identify with. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to the Gospel of Luke, uh, familiar possibly passage for some, chapter 17, Luke's Gospel, chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. Listen as I read God's Word. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Well, as I mentioned, uh, our family went up on Wednesday and spent a couple of days, I spent a couple of days up there with Charlotte's side of the family. She has uh, four brothers and sisters, and they all gather with their children. We meet up in a, uh, a place that one of them lives in Nashville area. <clears throat> so we were, we were there, and uh, as we gathered after Thanksgiving meal was over, we were kind of just sitting around enjoying company with one another. And <clears throat> usually uh, they have things they read from uh, as both Charlotte's mother and father have passed uh, and are with the Lord now. Um, and different things. And so this year, one of them said, well, I want to pass on the, uh, the keepsake from dad's dental office. He was a dentist for almost, almost 60 years. He practiced until he was 89 years old as a dentist. And, um, and so in his dentist's office, he had this treasure chest, about so big. And this was the treasure chest that every single person who was a dental, um, a patient of his, especially the little children as they grew up and then they had children they grew up, would go to the office and they get to pick and choose a special prize after they made it through the dental appointment, as children often can't wait to get the prize, you know, as they, because they say no one likes to go to the dentist. And so they, he, he did this as a means of just trying to help children to experience, have a, a positive experience with that treasure chest. And so one family member, they drew for numbers and they get to keep it for the next year at their home and just have that wonderful memory of what that was for them even as their father <clears throat> passed that on to them from as, from as, a, as a pot, uh, heirloom, so to speak, for the family. You know, um, a few years ago I started thinking about that. Uh, some, some people have different uh, perceptions of even what a pastor's like. And I thought, as a, child, as a child grows up in the church, they really are gaining their perception and perspective brand new as to what their pastor's like in their church. So I kind of started my own treasure chest at the church office. And so if you ever come and you're a child in this church to the church office and I'm there, I'm speaking to you boys and girls, if you ever come and I'm there, you can come and knock on my door. You can ask me if you can choose a treasure that I have because I have a special bag that you can choose whatever you want in that bag if your mom and dad that are there allow you to, and you can choose something for whatever you desire. However, as I've done this now for a few years, it inevitably, when a child chooses something, 
they're so excited, especially the younger little children, to be able to have that prize that they got, which, you know, isn't much of a prize, but to them it is, that mom and dad inevitably says, now what do you say? And they're like, thank you. What do you say? Thank you. Every parent wants their child to be thankful when they receive something. Christmas morning, we, we want our children to be thankful for the gifts they open, for what they receive. We desire that for our children. But you know, as we grow up, sometimes <clears throat> that heart that we so much want for our own children to have, it sometimes becomes difficult for our Selves, as parents, as adults, to continue to maintain and to have. This story of these ten lepers and the one that returned to Jesus, I think gives us a deeper insight into what it really takes to have a heart that is truly thankful. Not just one time, but a continual heart that is thankful in all types of situations and circumstances in our life. And so, as we look at these, this account of these ten lepers, we're going to look at three different thoughts that I've found to be very true from what Jesus experienced with the one who returned and how this one particular leper that returned to Jesus had a heart of thanks. We're going to look, first of all, at thankfulness that this leper had, the one that returned, it stems from realizing that Jesus identifies with our brokenness. Thankfulness for all of us, and it was for this one who returned, it stems from realizing that Jesus ident identifies with our brokenness. You know, most of us here, I'm not sure if I've talked with everybody about this, I'm sure, but most of us have never met someone with leprosy, the physical condition known as leprosy. Um, today, it's also known as Hansen's disease, but it's also still prevalent in our world. In fact, last year, there was close to 200,000 cases that, are, that were at least reported in the world of known leprosy. Some of the places that it's still quite prevalent are Brazil, Angola, Nepal, India, Tanzania, still have great outbreaks of the actual disease known as it was in the, in, the, in the days of Jesus as leprosy. Most of us, though, have never met someone truly with leprosy or experienced that firsthand. Maybe some of you have traveled and you have actually seen someone encounter them with this particular disease. Actually, in the United States, approximately one to 200 cases are, are known to, uh, to, uh, to arise each year along with about two to 3,000 cases that are known currently in the United States of leprosy, also known as, the, as I said, Hansen's disease. But if you think about this particular one, this particular, not just the one that returned, but even the 10, beyond the physical, which is in, in, in just enormously difficult, beyond just the physical understanding of what leprosy does to a person's body, it's much more than just physical. Think of uh, maybe yourself if you're out of school and you think back, or even maybe in school right now. Think about the one person whom almost everyone in your high school just did not want to be near. 
or they seem to always be rejected by the common group of those most popular in high school. For whatever reasons, those that were kind of the outcast, those that were on the edge, for whatever reason. Now imagine that same person also being rejected by not just their peer group in high school, but that same person being rejected by everyone in the community. Everyone around them. Adults, children of all ages. Even their own family. Imagine that person being rejected at that level. Imagine when someone like this would try to go to the local market or if they would go somewhere in their community where other people were and everyone would avoid them. That's what it's like, and that's what it was like for, back then, a person with leprosy. They were unclean. They were not to be touched, not to be, uh, no one was to get near them because of the infectious disease, and they were pretty much isolated. So you have 10 of these who had leprosy. And all ten of these lepers were outcasts in their own world. They were outcasts. The only people they could find acceptance were other lepers, you see. The only ones that accepted them were those with the same disease because there was no danger of receiving what I already have. And so the only place they felt like they belonged were leper colonies or places where they gathered together. That's the only people that they could actually be with in any proximity, other lepers. But now go beyond the disease, beyond even the social stigma of being a leper. Go beyond that. Think about this one leper, not the nine that kept going, but the one that returned. Think about this one leper who did return to Jesus. Verse 11, it says, Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And that's significant because it says one of the lepers was a Samaritan. Verse 16, he was a Samaritan. In verse 18, as Jesus asked, Was no one to be found except this foreigner? Giving, of course, the understanding that a Samaritan was also someone on top of the leprosy that was somewhat isolated, that was viewed by many as a half-breed, unaccepted by their own peers, unaccepted by those in the community, um, torn between the Gentile and the, Jew, and the Jews. They were mixed race, and so they were also rejected. So you have this leper that not only was a leper, but was also a Samaritan. And this is the one who returned. You know, you think about our own connections with others in our life. Think about the people that you seem to connect with as you go through life. Most often, our deepest relational connections are based on our common wounds. Are they not? Our deepest connections are with others that can identify with what we've been through or are going through. Where we've been broken or are in the midst of brokenness. When we're hurting. When someone understands your pain, that's a very deep point of connection, is it not? Whatever that is, whatever you've experienced or been through, 
when someone can connect with you at that point and you know that they understand, they get it, they understand where you are, what you've been through, and what all of that means even now, though it may have been years ago, but what it and how it affects you even now, and what you go through to continue to fight that battle. When someone can connect, that is a deep, deep point of connection. The Samaritan understood that Jesus identified with his own brokenness. Back when I was uh, starting out as a pastor uh, at uh, a church over northeast Atlanta, and I was over there, uh, I was working with, uh, at that time, uh, those adult singles in the church and, and spending time in that community. And there was a group of five or six ladies that asked to meet with, oh, a few elders for prayer and encouragement as they were struggling in their lives together, kind of as a small little community of ladies that truly desired to be married. And they wanted to have encouragement by the elders that, shep that gave shepherd over them and cared for them. And so three or four, including myself, elders met with these women. And it was a privilege to meet with them, but as we met with them, <clears throat> the elders uh, kind of shared different thoughts and I could tell that as we were sitting in this circle, there was five or six, th these ladies here, and then there was four or five of the elders here, and I was kind of on this end of the body of elders, and, and they, they started sh uh, sharing uh, the one that was kind of leading our time together, and he said, would, would any of you elders like to share? And so, well, this particular elder shared something, and then the next gentleman did, and I could tell, okay, everyone's going to start sharing. So each elder shared, I knew it was going to come to me, I was going to be the last one to share. And I'm looking at these women, and I'm thinking, I never really was single very long. About a year after college, I was engaged at that point, and then I got married at a young age. And I thought, Lord, I do not know what to do right now. I'm sitting here, and I, I'm speechless. I don't know what to say. I can pray for these women that you've given to come, but help me, Lord. I don't know what to say. And so, I could, I could watch their faces as each one of these elders shared, and they appreciated their words from Scripture, their words of wisdom, and, and their, 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 their thoughts. But I could tell it just, there, was, there was no connection. And I thought, Lord, I don't know, but these women, they need to know that, that, there's, that there's someone there. So as it came, just before it came to me, the Lord gave me a thought. At that time in our life, my wife and I had been many years struggling with infertility. So I began to speak with them, and I said, Ladies, I got married at 23 years old. I really have no understanding as to what you are going through right now, specifically about not being married. I said, However, I know what it does feel like to want something that even God says in his word is good and you can't seem to receive it. And I said that, those were not my words, but the Lord's words, every one of their eyes welled up. Every one of their hearts, I could just see pounding out of their chest. They started to look at me, and I knew that that, that was what the Lord wanted them to hear that day. And I just shared with them our story. And we connected, and then we prayed for them, and God showed up. 
And it was special. You see, when you connect with each other at the point of our brokenness, that's Jesus there. That's the Spirit moving. That's Him doing His work in us and through us. And that's what this Samaritan leper realized. Jesus was identifying with his brokenness. Jesus can identify with our brokenness. John chapter 1 tells us, verse 10, 11, he that is Christ was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. The world rejected Christ, completely rejected him. No one received him. The leper knew that Jesus knew what it was like not to be received, what it was like to be rejected as he had been because of his disease. And Jesus intersected at that point of brokenness. The Samaritan leper realized that Jesus understood all rejection, not just the rejection of leprosy, but all rejection. And Jesus still crossed every barrier and existed himself between mankind and between God the Father. He's our mediator. Hebrews chapter 4 tells us, verse 14, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. You see, this one that returned knew that Jesus could sympathize, could understand because of what he himself had experienced. Once we understand how much Jesus sympathizes with our own broken lives, and though he still loves us with compassion and he loves us with the concern that only he can connect us in that way, we can't help but be thankful then. Once we know how much Jesus loves us, it's really hard not to be thankful. It's hard to hold that thankfulness in. For we desire to know that He does connect with our deepest points of brokenness. And He does cross all the barriers that exist between us and the Father. He's provided that. But also, He gives us that same power, that same ability to cross barriers to others. You see, when Christ lives in you, you can then cross barriers that exist between you and someone else. And there are many barriers that exist between us and those in this world. Even in our own family, we've got barriers that are hard to cross. In our marriages, sometimes barriers are hard to cross. Between parents and child, maybe between you and your parents, if you're here as a teenager or as a child and you're struggling with that relationship, yet if you know the Lord and He lives within you, you can cross those difficult walls, those difficult barriers because He lives in you. He's crossed 
those barriers himself. Realizing that Jesus understands and himself has experienced the same brokenness, even beyond what we've experienced, that gives us a heart of thanksgiving. <clears throat> but not just that. Thankfulness must exist for true worship to exist. Look at verse 17. Jesus asked these ten lepers, were not, or he asked the one who came back, were not all ten cleansed? Did not everyone receive healing? Where are the other nine? First, it's just an unbelievable thought to read this story and to think, Okay, maybe a couple didn't come back. Maybe two or three didn't, you know, they, they got lost on their way, or maybe they were just so overwhelmed with their healing and their experience on the journey that, okay, but nine didn't come back? Nine did not show a heart of gratitude to the Lord for healing them? Only one? That's kind of difficult to think about. Nine lepers out of ten never thanked Jesus for restoring them physically, socially, emotionally, relationally. In every aspect, these lepers were being restored, renewed, redeemed from a life that no one wanted. And only one was moved to return. Then though we read in verse 15 and 16, and one of them, when he saw was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. And he threw himself at Jesus' feet, and he thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. He returned, praising God in a loud voice. He just didn't come kind of at night or in the back door somewhere, or when he waited until Jesus was somewhere where no one was. He came back in a loud voice, praising God. I'm sure in a small town like they existed together. Everyone knew who this leper was. Everyone could hear him screaming and praising God in a loud voice. The Samaritan's, Samaritan leper's response was much more than just being glad about being healed. His response was truly an act of worship at that point when he came back. It says he threw himself at Jesus' feet. Isn't that what worship is? laying ourselves at the, foot, at the feet of Jesus and giving him our thanksgiving, giving him our praise, our adoration, and in a loud voice, giving God all that our heart desires in worship. That is worship. Because this particular leper realized that his own spiritual disease, what it was, he collapsed before the Lord in worship. And even like, the, like Isaiah the prophet who said he was undone, this leper felt like that, that same way. He was undone before the holy God, the Lord himself. Here's the interesting question that I thought about when I was studying this this past week. We know what happened this day with ten lepers and the one who returned. What happened the next day? We don't have record of it. Have you ever wondered that sometimes after you read an amazing encounter that Jesus had or something that he did? I mean, after the 5,000 were fed, what happened the next day? I mean, was it a Tuesday? Did it happen? What happened on Wednesday? We don't have record of that. So what happened <clears throat> the next day 
with this one particular Samaritan leper? Did he just kind of go back as, oh, well, thanks, Jesus, I'm good now? I don't think so. Maybe the other, the other nine did, but not this one. If we had an account and record of his life from that day forward, <clears throat> I would venture to say that this one leper was changed forever. Not just physically, but his heart was changed. His understanding of the relationship with God Almighty was changed, and he was a different person completely on the inside. And his healing was much greater than what happened to his skin or to his extremities. His healing was completely of his soul. And therefore, he was changed from the inside out. You know, 1 Thessalonians 5 tells us to give thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks in all, every circumstance. Is that really possible to give thanks in every circumstance? Well, it must be, or else God would not have given us a directive to do so. And yet, we don't, if we're honest. We struggle to do that in every circumstance. Sure, we still struggle with this body of sin, that this remnant of sin that still pulls and tugs and tries to gain power over our new heart that Christ has given us. But in every circumstance, <clears throat> how can we respond to disappointments? How can you respond to adversity that's happening in your life right now? How do you respond when something is coming against you and you are helpless? You can't control it. You try, but you can't. You've tried time and time again, but it continues to be an adversity for you a situation or a circumstance that's unexpected, how do we respond in those situations? Well, just like the leper, we respond with thanksgiving, with a heart that is thankful. Thankful, now, follow me here. It's hard, I know, to really truly be thankful when something tragic happens. Because you may say, well, I don't feel thankful. True. We often don't feel thankful when something tragic happens. And yet, we can choose to thank the Lord without understanding and knowing completely and fully why something's happened or why it's happening. The greatest thing that can disarm adversity is a thankful heart. You can disarm that which is coming upon you with a heart that is thankful. That's one great power that Thanksgiving has that God has given us as a weapon. Actually, Thanksgiving can be a weapon, a weapon in spiritual warfare to be used to disarm and to actually go against adversity and even the great adversary. That's what this one leper used in his arsenal was thanksgiving. Thanksgiving 
even though everything in his life had been completely destroyed as one who had leprosy. Thankfulness must exist for worship to truly exist. We can't worship if we don't have a heart that is truly thankful. You cannot come to the Lord and worship Him truly if you are not grateful to Him for whatever He has providentially placed in your life. You just can't. Because if we're not thankful to Him, we certainly then must have something against Him from our, in our hearts. And we can't worship the one, we can't worship one whom we have resentment against or struggle against. That has to be broken. That has to be dissolved. It has to be burned away so that our heart of thanksgiving can be given to true worship. The last and final thought is that thankfulness means loving Jesus more than loving his resolution to our problems or his benefits. Now, this is a little harder. We're leaving with the 100 level and we're going to the 200 level now. Thankfulness means loving Jesus more than loving his resolution to our problems or his benefits that he often blesses us with. The encounter that Jesus has with these lepers is very different, though, than the one recorded in Luke chapter 5. He had another encounter, if you look earlier in this gospel in Luke 5, where Jesus actually touches the leper there in Luke 5. You remember that story. And he heals him first, and then he instructs them to go and tell the priest. Here, the ten lepers, Jesus just speaks to them and tells them to go. They weren't healed yet. So on their way to the priest, they were healed. Very different. Different experiences with these two lepers. Why would Jesus do this? Well, first of all, you have to understand in both circumstances, why would a leper have to go to the priest? I mean, today if someone has an infectious disease, no one tells them to go to your pastor after you've been healed from that infectious disease. So why would Jesus send the lepers onto this priest, even as they were being healed as they went? Leviticus 14, there's a very involved process where the one who has been healed of leprosy would have to shave off all of the body hair, every single bit that's possible, and then they would have to have several washings, cleansing and washings, and there had to be then sacrifices made with animal and grain offerings. And all this was ceremonial, it was a process because they had once been designated as being declared unclean, now they had to be declared clean. You see? It wasn't just a matter of the physical healing. It was holistically connected because they were holistically damaged. They were holistically affected by Leprosy. It wasn't just their skin, it was their spirit, it was their heart, their mind, their emotions. Every aspect of their being was affected by this, and there was a need for that process. Going to the priest was the final step in order to be fully recognized in their society as healed. Because of all the ceremonial laws of being unclean, the need for cleansing after one had had such a disease, 
Only the priest was the designated authority to declare a person clean. Now, here's the key. It wasn't just good enough for a leper who was healed of leprosy to declare themselves clean. I'm clean. Hey, see, I'm healed. I'm all good now. Remember me? I was the guy that was the corner. With, I'm, I, I'm healed. That wasn't good enough. It wasn't enough for one to pronounce oneself as being healed. It wasn't even accepted if someone tried. It would not work. Instead, the leper could try everything in his power to convince his own family and even friends that he was truly clean. But until he received that declaration, that clean bill of health from the priest, he was still treated as unclean. Is this not a picture of the gospel? Isn't it a picture of the gospel itself? We are unclean. All of us, sinful. Only when the final priest has declared you and me clean forever, are we truly clean? We can't declare ourselves clean. You can try all you want to clean yourself up, to make yourself more acceptable, more righteous, more morally upstanding, so that everyone around you might think that you're a very clean person. It doesn't do it. It means nothing to the one who created you. The only true cleansing is when God himself has declared you clean. And that only happens through his son and what he's done for you, and you receive it by faith. That only happens when Christ has declared us clean. You know, most of my life, even growing up in, in a church and then finally even be, uh, being called to the ministry and becoming a pastor, up to about age 30 years old or so, I still sought to live my life as one who tried to clean myself up from the outside, on the outside, to appear as I was a clean person. I sought to gain the respect and approval from others in so many different ways in the ministry and around those in the church and even outside the church, that that was my modus operandi. But once I grasped the depths of my truly uncleanliness, who I really was and what Christ had done for me, then the gospel finally made sense. I realized that real change came by faith in what Jesus had already done for me. It comes by his declaration that I am now clean. And no one else's, not even my own attempts. Romans 3, therefore no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law or by keeping the rules. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. But now a righteousness from God apart from the law has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. You see, the Samaritan leper understood two things, two things that the other nine did not. First, he understood that his disease was not really of his flesh. His disease was of his heart. That's why he came back. He needed to understand what Jesus had done for his soul, for his heart. And he sought to be thankful and show gratitude for much more than his leprosy being healed. 
His real decay was not external at all. It was internal. And it required that someone else change him from the inside out. And that's what Jesus did. He understood that, but secondly, he also understood this, that real authority, the real authority for him to be clean was not the priest in Jerusalem that he was being sent to, but it was the priest of Jerusalem that had made him clean. The priest, the final one, the one that makes us clean, that declares you and me righteous in his very eyes. The difference between the one and the nine is that the nine seemed more interested in the benefits of their relationship with Jesus, getting healed, and also being seen by everyone else as being acceptable again because their leprosy was healed. They were interested in those things more than just Jesus himself. But the one who did return clearly understood the deeper need for his cleansing beyond his flesh. He understood what Jesus had done for his very soul. And that's why he was changed forever, not just that day. That's how a heart of thanksgiving can be ever-present. That's how we can be thankful in circumstances that even are difficult to find a way to be thankful because we know what has truly been declared of us. We are clean in God's sight. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that this account of the Samaritan leper and the other nine is, is much more than just a, a Bible story an event that happened one day 2,000 years ago, but it is a spiritual miracle that points us to the same miraculous healing of our own soul, of our own hearts. Father, some of us struggle with physical ailments, with emotional ailments, with relational brokenness. Lord, give us that healing from the inside out. Help us to understand that we've been declared clean in your sight forever and ever. And that is what matters the most. That is the only thing that matters is who we are as yours, your sons and your daughters. Thank you for loving us, for cleansing us and giving us a heart that can truly thank you for all eternity. Lord, we confess those things right now, each of us, as you bring to mind that which we have and maybe right now are not very thankful for, that we're struggling to be thankful for. And we lay them at your feet as an act of worship. We give them to you and we pray, Lord, help us, give us the faith to trust you with that. Give us the faith to believe that you will heal. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.